Well, good morning, and we do want to thank you for being with us. Um, I just want to share with you right quick, um, this, I'm going to share a quick story. And you say, well, is this a story that is segueing us into the message today? No, this story has absolutely nothing to do. And this is going to give you, um, it's backed by popular demand. Um, I'm going to give you the, the latest Cooperism today. And so Cooper, as you're sitting at home on the couch right now watching, I'm sorry, but um, people love to hear it. And some of you, maybe you've never been to Chestnut Mountain. Maybe this is your first time um, connecting with us and you're saying, well, what in the world is a Cooperism? Um, I'm a dad of four. And my oldest son is 12. His name is Brock. And then we have two 10-year-old twins, um, Andy and Cooper, a boy and a girl. And then we have our, our little precious angel, Deacon. And um, she is four. And so... Cooper is kind of in his own world and he is happy there and you never know what's gonna come out of his mouth. And this week we were riding around town and um, it was me and, and Cooper and then his older brother Brock and, um, and Cooper just was in his own world and it was just off the hills of finding out that school was gonna be postponed until April 24th. And, and Cooper in his little froggy voice, he just looks at me and he says, Daddy. I said, what buddy? And he goes, this corona thing is not too bad. I said, well, Cooper, what in the world do you mean? He said, well, I don't have to go to school and the milestones have been canceled. I said, okay, buddy. And he said, and that also means that Brock gets a free pass to the seventh grade. And so Cooper, I don't know why he, he accredited that only Brock needed this free pass to seventh grade, um, but also, Cooper, that gives you a pass to fifth grade as well, so just to let you know that. But, but that is our latest Cooperism. Um, he is, again, in his own world, and he is happy there. But today, maybe this is your first time connecting with us, and we do want to say thank you that you have joined in online with us this morning, and, and I wish I knew how long this was going to last. And then now it is beginning to feel like it is just being stretched out, getting longer, getting longer, getting longer. But I don't know the answer. But if you turn into the TV or you tune into the radio, um, everyone has their predictions. Everyone has a prediction of when school will be started back up. Of Maybe the prediction is when the churches are going to be opened back up. Maybe when businesses are gonna open back up or when the restaurants will be opened back so you can eat at a table like normal in a restaurant. Or people are also predicting how long this social distancing thing is going to last. But every time you turn into the radio, every time you look at the TV, there's always another prediction. You know, there used to be this thing in America that was called sports. Um, it's where one team would compete with another team and they would see who could score the most points. Well, there's analysts who would always predict who was going to win. They would gather all of, the, all of the data in, whether it was a record or how the lineups matched up against each other, and, and they would predict who was going to win that game. Well, today what we're gonna do is we're, we're gonna close out um, 2 Peter chapter 3. And what we're gonna look at today is what I wanna share is a victory that is not a prediction, but a victory that is a promise. Not a prediction that's, that's gonna, maybe it'll come true, but this is a promise from the mouth of Jesus himself. And we're, this is not where we're gonna turn today, but I want you to follow with me. It'll be on the screen. In John chapter 14, verses two and three, listen to what Jesus says. In my father's house, are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you, 
for I go and prepare a place for you. Verse three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And so that is exactly where Peter is going to turn all of his attention today. He's gonna turn all of his attention in this last chapter of his second letter that he's writing to the believers. And maybe again, this is your first time being tuned in with us. We have been reading through First and Second Peter over about the last two months. And today we're concluding that, that Second Peter reading. And this is gonna be chapter three. But if you heard us about two weeks ago, we challenged you as the church to keep focused, to keep connected and to keep moving. Well, in order to do that, um, we're gonna continue in this daily Bible reading. And so we're gonna start this week, actually start today, reading through the book of 1 Corinthians. So you will have short segments that you will be reading all week long. You can go on our website. If you're a member of our church, you'll be getting an email. You will have plenty of avenues to where you can get connected to this daily reading plan, starting in 1 Corinthians. And then what we're gonna do is every Sunday, we're going to be preaching on what you've read that week. So you will already be prepared to come to church. And so that's gonna be where we're going next. But today, what I want to do is I am praying, I've been praying for you all week, I've been praying for my family all week, that we would take heed to Peter's teachings in chapter three so that we will be reminded that victory is coming. And this is exactly how how Peter starts chapter three is pretty much very similar to the way that he started the first chapter of 1 Peter. And he's talking about to the believers that this is not our home. That this is our temporary residence that we were not created for this place. We were created for a relationship with our heavenly father in heaven. And so today we are gonna start in 2 Peter chapter three. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn there and I'll give you just a second to flip there. And we're just gonna walk through this um, chapter today and we're gonna start in verse one. And what he says in verse one, it says, this is now beloved, the second letter that I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by the way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and the Savior spoken by your apostles. You see this message today, it's probably one that you're very familiar with. Um, this is not some, some earth shattering news because if you've been in church for any amount of time, it is something that you're all familiar with. And this is exactly what Peter is talking to these new believers about. He's saying, look, you already know about this, but what I wanna do is I just simply want to remind you, remind you that victory is coming. And so he's saying, look, you've heard this great news. You've heard this unbelievable news, but somewhere along the way, you've become distracted. And as we've seen in first and second Peter, they've, they've, they're, being, they're struggling because they're being persecuted for their faith. They begin to listen to the lies of false teachers. They've fallen back into some of the very same sin that God had delivered them from. And they've also, they've just become distracted by their circumstances. And so church, I think that even in reading that and even making that clear, we see that this is exactly probably where we are right now. 
And so Peter is challenging them, look, we can't get caught up in focusing on the here and the now, but what we've got to focus on is what's coming. And so what's coming is what he talks about through the remainder of this chapter. And what's coming is the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is when Christ returned and he takes those who have trusted him as his savior. You know, I remember as a child, another childhood story, um, I remember that I was in, in, in daycare, um, Magic Years of Learning, which was in downtown Gainesville. Some of you may have been there or gone there as a child. And, and I was, remember I was in, in, in nursery and then what ended up being an after school, ended up being daycare. I remember waiting anxiously in the afternoons, waiting on my mom to come and pick me up from daycare. And I remember that if, if she was ever running a little bit late, which was always a big possibility, I would sit there as a child and I would begin running through my mind all of the possibilities of why she was late. Okay, maybe she, you know, she's ran out of gas or maybe she has forgotten me or maybe she's gotten sick and she's gotten caught up at work or, or now the worst case scenario, maybe she's been in a wreck on the way to pick me up. But what I found myself doing, and even in that childhood mind, is I was doing exactly what the news is doing today. I was trying to predict an outcome. I was trying to predict all of the reasons and all of the possibilities that was keeping my mind off the truth. And the truth was, my mom or my dad, one, was coming to pick me up. They were coming to pick me up. But I was letting all of the possibilities I was letting all of the predictions take my eyes off of the promise, take my eyes off of what I know was coming. And so that's exactly what Peter is challenging these believers with, is he's saying, look, you've gotta stop listening to all of the predictions. You can't focus on the predictions anymore. We can't focus on all of this stuff, but what we can focus on is the promise. The promise of the day of the Lord is coming. We just read a moment ago that Jesus said, if I go, I will come again. If I go, I will come again. Because see, there's dangers in listening to these predictions. Going back to my, to my nursery days or my daycare days, I remember that as I would sit and play out all of those predictions and I can still visualize sitting at those little rectangular tables where we would wait for our moms and our dads to come and pick us up. And I remember those predictions that I was casting in my mind. What it did as a young child is it produced fear. It produced fear in me. And so what that fear ended up doing is that fear paralyzed me. You say, well, what did it mean it paralyzed you? I was a child. Man, I had games to play. I had coloring books. I had all these toys that I could be playing with while I was waiting in anticipation for my parents to pick me up. But you see, that fear of the prediction, it paralyzed me. And I didn't do anything that a child should do. I sat and I was concerned and I was weighted down and I was burdened about the possibilities of what could happen. And so I wasn't even acting as a normal child should act. I wasn't doing the things that I was created to do. And so as Peter is challenging these believers, look, don't let the predictions paralyze you. 
That's the very same thing that I wanna share with you today is don't let these predictions paralyze you. Don't let them do and make you do things that, that you normally wouldn't do. Because you know, you may be sitting home all week and, and what you've done is exactly what I would do at magic years of learning is I would sit in my mind and play out all of the worst case scenarios. Maybe you've sat there this week and you've worried, is it gonna be me or one of my family members that's gonna get sick? Am I gonna lose my job? Am I gonna lose my home? Is this gonna happen or is that gonna happen? Because the problem with all of those things is it is going to paralyze you and it is gonna keep you from acting the way that a believer should act. It's gonna keep you paralyzed to where we're not doing the things and fulfilling the mission that God has given us. And church, that is why we've challenged our, our church family. And I even challenge you today, even if you're not a member of Chestnut Mountain Church, that you keep focused, that you keep connected, and then you keep moving. And I kind of want to take a time out right here, if you're okay with that. Um, you know, in the eyes of, or the, in light of trying to keep you focused, to keep you connected and keep you moving, I can honestly say that, that over the last several weeks that I have never been more proud of a team that is doing what God has called them to do than I am with the team here at Chestnut Mountain Church. Our staff, if we've sat in meetings, we've, we've sat just in conversation in the hallways of, of trying to think of creative ways and asking the Lord how we can keep you as a church family connected. And I think church, the church family, you could speak to this. Your staff and your team here at Chestnut Mountain Church has gone above and beyond the expectations even that I had in my mind. And so now I'm gonna kind of interact with you. This is really awkward for me, okay? Because this whole social media thing, this whole live thing is kind of weird anyway. But if you are thankful for your team here at Chestnut Mountain and you're thankful for this staff here at Chestnut Mountain, I want you to let them know you, can, you, you love them that you are thinking of them by leaving a comment on our Facebook. Even right now as we're watching, blow that sucker up. Let them know you love them. Let them know you're thinking about them and let them know how thankful you are for their efforts and what they are doing to keep you connected. So I would ask you to do that. Um, so just so they, they will know, so that they will be encouraged. Because I'll be honest, they're probably sick of seeing me sometimes like I'm sick of seeing them, it's just us. It's just us, we miss you. And so let them know that you miss them as well. So now we'll jump back in. But, but you know, as we talked about keeping focused, keeping connected and keep moving, that's exactly what Peter's telling these believers in verses 11 through 18. We're not gonna read all of those verses right now, but if you will skim over them, maybe if you're doing the soap journal like you have been up to this point, you've already read this. But basically what Peter challenges these believers to do is he tells them to keep living a godly life and to keep looking, to keep looking for Christ's return. He tells them to keep winning the lost and then he ends it by telling them that they need to keep growing. And so Peter is doing the very same thing that we're challenging you with, to keep moving, to keep doing these things. And Peter is also telling him, look, get your eyes back on the promise. Don't let the chaos, don't let the circumstances distract you. 
Don't let the predictions paralyze you. Get your eyes off of the predictions and get your eyes back on the promises of God. Because the day of the Lord is coming. Does it say that it might be? There's a slim chance. As a believer, we are trusting and believing with everything that's in us that the day of the Lord is coming. And when we talk about the day of the Lord, I know that that opens up a lot of theological discussions and that's really not where we're going today because that's what I love about Peter. He didn't, he didn't go into the specifics of the theological agreements or disagreements in, in light of the day of the Lord. But what he did is he basically just said, look, Jesus is coming, either you're ready or you're not. Jesus is coming and either you're ready or you're not. And so when we take that phrase, the day of the Lord, you know, you can look at it and basically from the way I read it and the way I've studied this, this phrase can have two meanings. You say, uh oh, what, what, what is he opening up here? This, this is gonna mean different things for different people because the day of the Lord for those who are followers of Christ those who have surrendered their heart and their life to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord represents victory, represents a celebration, represents a reuniting with your Father. So for those who have trusted Christ, it is a victory, but for those who have not, the day of the Lord is defeat. The day of the Lord is defeat if you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And so I know that there's some of you probably watching on your computer, listening on TV right now, and the truth is, is the day of the Lord is one or the other for you. Is it a victory or is it a defeat? And maybe you're there right now and you're very uncomfortable. Maybe your heart is pounding out of your chest, your, your hands are sweating, you're in all kinds of awkwardness because your family's sitting around you. Well, I want you to know if that's you, then you are the one that you have been prayed for all week long because we have been praying. We prayed in this room just a moment ago that the spirit of God was gonna draw you to himself today. And we want the day of the Lord to be a victory because that day is coming. You know, as we mentioned last week, Peter went into in chapter two, he talked about the false teachers a lot. And so he kind of goes back to them in verses three and four because what the false teachers were trying to teach these believers was look, this whole day of the Lord thing, this whole Christ return thing, it's not gonna happen. Look in verses three and four of chapter three. Look what Peter writes. He says, know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. You see what, what Peter's telling them here is what these false teachers are teaching. They're basically trying to get the monotony to lull these believers to sleep. He's saying, look, since creation, the sun's come up, the sun's gone down, and you do it all over again. It's kind of like the country song, sunrise, sunburn, sunset. You know, you're finishing it right now in your home and pushing repeat. 
And so that's exactly what Peter is saying here. He's saying, look, don't let the monotony paralyze you. Don't stop looking. Don't think that it's not gonna happen because it hasn't happened yet. And you know, if we're real honest, church, there's probably a lot of us that are sitting at home and this whole season that we're dealing with right now, maybe we're questioning that. God, are, are you real? Or God, is, is your return even going to happen? Because God, we're stuck in a mess. And so we may even feel that way right now where we begin to question, is there truth to this? Is God really going to return but what we have to understand is that God's timing is something that we cannot even comprehend. God's timing is something that we can't even relate to. Look at verse eight. But do not let this one fact, and he's talking about the monotony of day in, day out, everything's the same. Don't let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. What he's simply saying here is there's no limit to God's timing. We can't even comprehend all of God's timing and his calendar and his clock. You know, in just comparison, it said that it, for our one day is like his thousand years or opposite, yeah. But do you know, you think about it, when, when we look at the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ, in our minds as we study it, on our calendar, that was some 2,000 years ago. But to put things in perspective, according to this passage, you realize for God, that was like the day before yesterday. So it's not that very long ago when it comes to his timing, when it comes to his clock, when it comes to his calendar. But you see, he's warning these false teachers are, are teaching these believers because it seems like it's been so long. They've been talking about this forever. He's wanting them to take their eyes off of the day of the Lord. He's wanting them to focus on the circumstances. He's wanting them to focus on all of the predictions and get their eyes off what God is going to do. You know, and... What I love is Peter takes it from basically debunking what these false teachers are teaching. And he's saying, look, you gotta get your eyes off the predictions. You gotta get your eyes off of these circumstances. And what you've gotta focus on is you gotta focus on the promise. You gotta focus on that he is coming back. Don't worry about the timing. Don't worry about the predictions of when people say or think he will come back. All you need to focus on is the fact that he is coming again. The day of the Lord is coming. And what he does here is he takes all of those doubts and all of those fears. And what he does is I love how he, he lays this out in verse nine. And what seems hopeless, he gives hope. And look at verse nine, look what he says here. Peter writes, he says, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You see, well, you, Brian, well, what, what do you mean? What does that mean? What I want you to hear today is the longer we wait on the day of the Lord, 
what we're seeing is his grace and his mercy be extended. What he's wanting is giving you opportunity, giving you chance after chance after chance to surrender your heart and your life to his son who died for you on a cross to take away the punishment that was yours. So the longer we wait, the more time we have, the more time you have to turn to him. If you're listening here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do you understand that you were on extended time? That God has given you another opportunity? And maybe all of the chaos that's going on in our world has you isolated in your home and you may not ever darken the doors of a church, but here's the beauty of God's grace. He has met you in your home. He has met you in your living room. He has given you that extended time. He's giving you that extended grace because he loves you enough that he wants to give you chance after chance to come and trust in the sacrifice of his son. And so he tells them, he says, look, it's not God. He's not wishing that anyone perish. He's not wishing that anyone would perish, but that all would repent. You see the perish there that he's talking about is a spiritual death because the truth is, is we're all physically going to die at some, at some time. 10 out of 10 people are gonna pass away. But the death that he's talking about here, the perishing that he's talking about here is an eternal separation from God. But what he's saying, it's not his will that anybody experiences that death, but he wants us all to come to repentance. And what repentance means is to stop trusting your knowledge, to stop trusting your works, and to place that faith and that trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. He bore your sin and he bore your punishment. So therefore you would not have to experience the very thing that he did for us. And so we see that the longer his return is delayed, it's just more of an opportunity for you to respond to that. You know, I know in the church a lot of times and I was even actually praying it last week and even some of this week until I began to study this, this passage and you know, I even made the comment here last Sunday morning before we were getting ready to go live with one of the team members that were here. And I said, man, I said, just come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's just go ahead and rescue us from this chaos. And yes, while I would love that, but what God has shown me, that what I need to do right now instead of doing that is I need to be thankful that he hasn't because he's extending grace even longer that his work is not through. He is not finished. He's still drawing you to himself. And our prayer is that this day is that day of surrender for you. I've prayed all week that today would be the day of salvation. And man, what a more beautiful place to do it than in the home with your family. There is no more intimacy than you get in that. There is no better place to celebrate this new birth, this new life than in your home with the very people that love you the most. And so his work is not through in church. That's why we've got to keep moving. That's why we can't afford to focus on all these predictions. We've got to focus on the promise. 
We've got to focus on the promise that we serve a God who wants to save. And we're going to wrap up this morning in verse 10. In light of God's timing, verse 10, Peter says this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth, its works will be burned up. You see the focal point of verse 10 there that we wanna pay attention to. It says the day of the Lord, number one, it says will come, but it says that it's gonna come like a thief. And what that means is the promise is coming, but we don't know when. You know, if we knew when, that would be the easy part. If we knew when, that would be the easy part. But could we, if we knew the exact calendar, then in our minds, we could say, you know what? I can live life the way I wanna live it. And then right before his return or right before my life is over, then I'll surrender my heart and my life to Christ. But in that situation, it's not really a surrender. It's more of an insurance thing for yourself. And that means that you don't fully understand the love that the Father has for you. And when we understand that a Father's love made him give his only son for you, man, that's worth following now. That's worth surrendering to now. And so that's what motivates us. That's what drives us to surrender our heart and our life to him today. Because the day is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. But we've just gotta be ready. And so the question that I wanna leave with you this morning is this. What does the day of the Lord mean to you? What does the day of the Lord mean to you? Is it a victory? Have you surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus Christ? And if you have, then yes, the day of the Lord is a celebration. The day of the Lord is a day that we are excited about. It is the day that we should be longing for. But maybe when I say the day of the Lord, that Christ's return is coming, maybe there's an emptiness in the pit of your stomach. And you're sitting there going, I don't know. I don't know if it's a victory. I don't know if it's a defeat. Well, you see, salvation is not a hope so thing. It's not a Jim Carrey, so you're saying there's a chance. No, it's a, a no so salvation. It's a salvation that God wants us to have confidence in at the finished work that took place on the cross of Calvary. And so I don't know where you're standing this morning. I don't know if, if the day of the Lord is a victory for you or I don't know that it's a defeat for you. But what I wanna encourage you with that if you're hearing me, if you're listening to this, be thankful that the day of the Lord is not here yet because you still have time. You still have time to respond to the love that God has for you. And if you've never been saved, if you've never surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, verse nine is the greatest news that you should ever hear. 
Verse nine is some of the greatest news that you will ever hear. Some don't count it slowness, but patient toward you. God is being patient towards you because he loves you enough that he wants you to come. And so our prayer is that this morning is that day. That if you're listening this morning, that you would understand that today is that day. Now listen, I don't want you to check out because normally when I close in prayer, I know that it's very easy to disengage. But the problem is, is the spirit of God is moving in your home right now. And the enemy wants nothing more than to hijack that. And so you're gonna have an opportunity to respond this morning. You're gonna have an opportunity to make a decision today. No, I'm not gonna say follow these, these prayers. I'm not gonna say repeat after me because I want you to have a conversation with God. When I was 12 years old, I surrendered my heart and my life to Christ and all I said was God save me. Because you see the Holy Spirit was already interceding on my behalf. He was saying what I could not figure out to say. But church, maybe you're there right now and God's placed somebody on your heart that you know doesn't know him. I'm gonna ask you right now in this moment for you to pray for that person. You pray that today is their day of salvation. And so if you know today that that day of the Lord is a defeat, that I'm gonna challenge you that if you feel the spirit of God drawing you to himself today, stop running. Stop trying to figure it all out and just trust what Jesus Christ has done for you. You say, well, Brian, it doesn't make sense. If you read in the end of chapter three, what I love about that is Paul said the same thing. He said, look, a lot of this is hard to understand. And so don't think you've gotta have all the pieces put together because you've gotta have faith. You gotta have faith to trust in the finished work of the cross. So I'm gonna ask you to have a conversation with God and just simply ask him to save you. Just simply ask him to save you, repent. Quit trusting yourself and trust him. God, I pray that right now that we would not turn off. But God, let's respond to the knocking that's taking place in so many heart stores right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna jump right back into worship in just a moment. But we wanna be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing right now in your heart. Pastor Brian has just called us to make a decision and respond to the gospel. And we know the Holy Spirit is calling some of you to do that. Some of you to place your faith in Jesus and some of you to make a next step in your faith. And so down below, there's a link. We want you to follow that link. Let us know about how we can best serve you and what decision you've made today. And as we jump back into worship, allow the Holy Spirit to continue to speak to you. Allow him to work through your heart. And may we praise the King who has paid the way.